this is Dave, and I'm here with Ethan, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 119-inch. On this week's episode, we interview Mayor Josh Johnson, the current mayor of Darwin, Minnesota, home of the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Will our guest this week be our first elected official on the podcast? No, I don't think so. We did interview Congressman Stephen F. Lynch back on episode 108 Inch. No, Dave, that was the famous comedy musician Stephen Lynch. No F in there. No congressman in there. We didn't interview that other guy. Not yet we haven't. Anyway, I think it's time for This Week in Weird Al Related News. In case you missed it, Black and White and Weird All Over bonus episode 5cm was posted over on our Patreon page this past Monday. Now, I don't know if this is the first time you've ever listened to our podcast or if you just haven't been paying attention for like the past nine months. But this is the book series where we sit down with the author John Bermuda Schwartz and go page by page through his book Black and White and Weird All Over The Lost Photographs of Weird Al Yankovic 1983 to 1986. The black and white and weird all over bonus episode 5 centimeter that was just posted. We go over chapter 3, a glimpse into the recording process overdubs. And remember, all bonus episodes are posted early on patreon.com slash 2000 inch so our Patreon supporters can be the very first to listen to them. We have two big updates this week for the Grammy Award winning Jim Kimo West, the man behind our pretty stinking majestic official theme song. Up first, coming this Friday, August 13th, Jim Kimo West is featured on a brand new collaboration with Swiss guitarist Jerg Kindle. The collaboration is called Rising, and you can pre-save it by going online to snd.click slash rising. And be on the lookout for at least two more collaborations with Jim Kimo West and Jerd Kindle coming soon. Mark your calendars. Traveler comes out on August 27th, and One Earth, One Ocean comes out on September 24th. We'll remind you, don't worry. And you can also join Jim Kimo West next week for a memorable evening of Hawaiian slack key guitar music where he teams up with Stephen Inglis and Ken Emerson for a streaming concert. The streaming concert event takes place on Monday, August 16th from 7 to 9 p.m. Hollywood Star Time, which is, of course, 10 to midnight burrito burrito time. And you can check it out by visiting youtube.com slash conference our friend and patreon supporter vincent anderson let us know that the expanded edition of the weird al seriously book is now available for pre-order on amazon this is the new edition of the book by friend of the podcast author lily e hirsch who we first had way back on episode 43 inch and most recently on episode 111 inch where she popped in to officially announce the expanded edition paperback version the expanded edition features even more insights on Weird Al Yankovic, including his activities during 2020 and 2021. And you may even see a quote or two in there from your favorite Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast co-hosts. Ooh, I can't wait! 
Now, this is really cool. Another heads up was given to us by our Patreon supporter and friend, Vincent Anderson. There is a new documentary coming out next month called This Is Guar. The documentary features interviews with both past and present Guar band members, as well as Thomas Lennon, Alex Winter, Bam Margera, Ethan Embry, and Weird Al Yankovic. This isn't the first time Weird Al has teamed up with Guar. He also appears in an animated cartoon produced by Guar called The Animated Tales of Guar. It was released online by Funnier Die Cartoons back in 2013. The new documentary, This is Guar, is set to premiere at Austin, Texas's Fantastic Fest, which runs from September 23rd through September 30th. For more information, check out fantasticfest.com. Hey, Dave, have you ever been to a Guar concert? I have not. Have you ever been to a Guar concert? I sure have, Dave. I, I went once, and it was absolutely nuts. Giant foam costumes, stuff shooting off the stage. Oh, it was crazy and fun and crazy fun. Wow. <laughs> so I went with a few friends from the college radio station, and, and they had all been to Guar shows before, and I had heard all these crazy stories, and I didn't know what to expect, but they were telling me that some of the hardcore fans will buy a brand new white t-shirt, squish themselves up to the front row, and by the end of the concert, it would just be covered in all the fake blood and goo and snot and all the stuff they shoot into the audience. And then they would, you know, frame those shirts and keep them for their collection. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's not too much different from when I go to a Weird Al concert. I get myself a brand new white t-shirt. I scrunch myself up to the front of the stage. And by the end of the concert, it's covered in confetti and streamers. It's a little different, Dave, but same idea. I I think you got it. (laughs) Well, Billboard.com crunched the numbers and Weird Al's Beat on the Brat three-inch vinyl single was the eighth highest selling Record Store Day exclusive single sold at independent record stores that week. Wow, that is incredible news. Well, who else was on the list? Well, let me see. Number one was Pearl Jam. Ah, curses! My baby's in love with their lead singer, but... Okay, go on. Well, number four was Bob Dylan. Oh, isn't he the guy who sings exclusively in palindromes? Yeah, probably. I just don't get how these guys could have been ahead of Weird Al on the list. Well, Dave, one thing to remember is there were only 1,500 of those singles available, and we know most stores and fans we talked to said they sold out instantly, so I think that's probably the reason Al wasn't number one. Yeah, and that Pearl Jam Eddie Vedder guy, he probably just printed up a million of them and gave one free to every 27th customer. Yeah, that, that, that sounds right. But, oh, hey, Dave, I actually have some exciting personal news. I mean, Ethan, come on. I don't know how appropriate it is for you to be sharing personal, non-Weird Al-related news during this week in Weird Al-related news. Well, actually, Dave, it is Weird Al-related news. Oh, well, then go on. Do tell. I now own a pair of Weird Al glasses. Oh, how cool. Congratulations, Ethan. Well, thank you, Dave. I was so thrilled to receive them in the mail this week. Well, welcome to the club. As you know, and as I've mentioned on the podcast before, I own two pairs of Weird Al's glasses. Now, the glasses that he used in the Amish Paradise music video and Weird Al's personal glasses that he wore back in the 1980s. Oh, oh, Dave, uh... My Weird Al glasses are actually just a pair of glasses that I had them engrave Weird Al into the inside right arm of the frame. Oh, well, 
Yeah, that's considerably less exciting than I had originally thought, but still exciting, I suppose. Well, why did you get new glasses? Just so you can get them engraved with Weird Al's name? Well, um, partially, but also so I can see better, you know? Alright, how many fingers am I holding up? Dave, this is a family-friendly podcast! Alright, calm down, calm down. It's okay, the video's turned off. Anyway, what do you need to see with these new glasses, Ethan? Why, wolfandwool.com! Wolfandwool.com? I thought you were nearsighted. I am! Well, why would you need new glasses to see far away better if you visit wolfandwool.com on your computer or cell phone? Well, actually, Dave, I keep my screens at least 27 feet away at all times, even my cell phone screen. Why? How? Wait. Never mind. So anyway, now you can, what, see all the great things wolfandwool.com can offer? Right out, Dave! You can read all about the ruins of our past and the merchandise and the RU.com's podcast and MC Chalkskin. Yep. Well, just have a question for you, Ethan. How were you reading and viewing all that before you got the new glasses? Well, obviously, I had our intern Frank print off screenshots of the WolfinWool.com website every hour on the hour. Ah, okay, so that explains why our paper and toner bills were excruciatingly high all the time. Well, I'm just glad that is over with. Well, I actually told Frank to start printing them every half hour on the half hour, just in case. Ah, makes sense. So visit, or print out, wolfandwool.com today. Alright, Dave, all this talk about my new glasses and wolfandwool.com makes me want to hear this week's Burrito Burrito ad! So I'll just do it myself! All right, script is 27 feet away, new glasses are on. This week's episode is brought to you in part by Vegan Burrito Restaurant Burrito Burrito in Troy, New York, home of the two-pound double-wrapped quesadilla burrito burrito and Wizard Burger in Albany, New York. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito, your Burrito Burrito, or hop on over to Wizard Burger for mouth-watering loaded, dare I say, beefy vegan burgers. From Troy to Albany to Uranus, Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger feed the hungry with out-of-this-world, plant-based, real food, always vegan style. Visit burritosquared.com or wizardburger.com and order ahead. Well, thank you to Burrito Burrito for sponsoring us, and thank you to all of our sponsors, including Discover Darwin. Yes, Discover Darwin, the tourism agency for Darwin, Minnesota, home of the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota, I can only imagine why they would advertise with us. Well, our intern Frank thinks Discover Darwin chose to advertise on our podcast due to, you know, our podcast being about Weird Al and, you know, Weird Al has a song about their twine ball, but eh, we really can't be too sure. But hopefully this week's interview will help to clear everything up. Well, we have a real treat for our listeners this week. Not only does our next guest oversee the city of Darwin, Minnesota, but he also oversees the biggest ball of twine built by one person. It is our great pleasure to welcome to the podcast the mayor of Darwin, Minnesota, Mayor Josh Johnson. Welcome to the podcast, Mayor Johnson. Yeah, thank you. It's my great honor to uh, be with you guys here today. So thank you for having me. Yeah, you know, Darwin, Minnesota means so much to Weird Al fans. It's just, it's really quite surreal to get to talk to the guy who is the mayor of such a historic and important <laughs> location. Well, well, you're giving me a little too much credit here, first of all. Uh, there's a lot of people overseeing as I appreciate the, uh, the flattery, but, but uh, first of all, Weird Al fans are also very important to Darwin, Minnesota. We've uh, 
you know, we really enjoyed that, you know, intertwining of Al and the twine ball over the years. Um, I think they're a great fit. Uh, we have a lot of good volunteers at work and the twine ball and help to, um, you know, care for it, it itself and the legacy of Francis Johnson and be good stewards and uh, welcome the world to Darwin. And we absolutely enjoy our time with um, everyone, but especially some of uh, the people that are driven here through their, you know, their fandom of Weird Al or um, have they discovered the twine ball, um, you know, through his music. They're some of the nicest people in the world, and we have uh, really enjoyed our time talking with them. And actually, you know, just as probably a lot of Weird Al fans have become Twine Ball fans through that, a lot of Twine Ball fans have become Weird Al fans. Um, I'm certainly one of them, and many of our volunteers have wow. also um, oh, cool. really, uh, really come to appreciate, you know, his uh, his music and his uh, the genius that is Weird Al. Yeah. So. <laughs> Josh, before we go any further, we have to make sure, are you related to Francis Johnson? Uh, no, no, I was actually not related to Francis e. Johnson. Johnson, of course, in uh, this part of Minnesota with a lot of uh, Scandinavian heritage is probably a lot of Johnsons, not, uh, not no okay. relation though, okay. between Francis and myself. <laughs> you must so. get that question all the time though, right? <laughs> I do, yeah. My grandfather was actually mayor, so I've been mayor of Dart, Minnesota for, this was the 11th year now. Wow. Um, my grandfather was mayor for, you know, almost 30 years, and he was actually mayor when the ball was moved into town in wow. uh, 1991. So we definitely, even though I'm not uh, related to Francis, we're certainly, uh, my family is proud of our, our history with, you know, in Darwin and uh, our, our relationship with the twine ball over the years. So. Wow. So then did you grow up in Darwin, Minnesota? Just outside. Yep. So I grew up, you know, not far from the twine ball as a crow flies, only about a mile away. It was located on Highway 12, um, which is the main highway that goes uh through Darwin, just about an hour west of the Twin Cities in central Minnesota. And as a child, I remember going over there with my father, and this is when it was out um, in the open, kind of just had the top of a cutout grain bin over it, or a silo. Okay. Um, you could crawl on it, you could pull on it, you could, you know, <laughs> it was just, it was kind of like, you know, a playground toy. And Francis would welcome, you know, passersby and and those of interest, and uh, and tell him and share his his uh, creation with them, and and uh, tell them the story of of uh, of he and his uh, and his twine ball. Wow! No, so I grew up right outside of town, and then moved into town, um, and 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 married my wife. We moved here to Darwin uh, 17 years ago, and had had a, have two sons that uh and we obviously being mayor have to live in town so right we we built within uh, city limits and have uh and we're we're set or where we want to be forever so we enjoy it and darwin has been good to us and and uh we're grateful for the opportunity to live where we do now in visiting the twine ball as a kid did you ever meet francis johnson oh yeah yep oh cool wow francis rolled his ball twine from 1950-1979 and and his family would say that he rolled it f- uh, every day for four hours a day um, for those twenty nine years. Wow! And and it, of course it it started just Francis was um, his family had a farm not far from Darwin uh, in the Kingston area, 
and he would he wasn't um, employed there. He did he was a, a carpenter and a block layer, but of course back then everybody would help out on the family farm. So he would collect the the twine from the used twine from the farm, and and he began um, just kind of winding it up and created a ball, and then. That grew and grew and grew, and he had it in the basement of the farmhouse. And before it got too large to to get outside the door, they moved it out uh, out of the house and took it on a truck to where Francis resides here in Darwin, where he continued that for you know those almost three decades. Wow. The local community, um, a lot of farmers, a lot of agriculture in this area, um, and twine, of course, was very common. Um, on on farms still is today not the same sisal twine maybe that you would have seen back then Um, but farmers would take their used twine and bring it over to francis and he would he would um, unravel it and uh, lay it out and tie it together and then um, roll it onto a spool and then go about the process of of uh, um rolling it onto the twine ball from that spool and of course taking great pride in his uh, creation he would often turn it so it was uh, it kept its you know very symmetrical and and spherical right. shape that he right. was so proud of um, and in the later and we got a lot of good pictures of that in the later years he would take a railroad jack and and actually turn it himself with that um, once it got too large there was a contractor in town that would take his wheel loader and uh, every so often, give it a quarter turn. So the family members had told me he would work any, anywhere from, you know, a couple hours up to six, seven hours a day on that, depending on what his day entailed. So, wow. Um, yeah, it was a dedication. And he, he, was, he, he was a collector of many things um, when, when Francis did pass, ultimately, in, in the mid-1980s. Um, he, and he did live several years beyond that, but his health wasn't uh, wasn't well enough to keep um, continuing to roll the twine ball. And he did actually die of emphysema, even though he was not a smoker. So the family had always thought that it was uh, 30 years of twine dust that actually oh, okay. um, oh, ultimately wow. was the, the, the cause. Um, but he still lived to his mid-80s, which, you know, for, for when he was born is it. Uh, probably beyond the average life expectancy. Oh, sure. Um, but it, but yeah, after he uh, after he did pass, his nephew Harlan was in charge of the estate, and and the people of Darwin had always, um, you know, closely um, tied themselves to the ball. Our saying here in Darwin, it's the twine that binds, kind of representation of our. <laughs> um, our pride in in that roadside traction of Francis's, but also, you know, the close knit community that we have here, um, and through a lot of work and and um, the generous um, donation of Francis's family, uh, we we're able to move it into town on the main street and 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 give it a new home there, and um, kind of built out around it from then. Moved in our uh, the old railroad depot and and. Um, that is now the Darwin Historical Museum and Twineball Museum, and um, also celebrate our town festival. Now is Twineball Day uh, for the last thirty years. Of wow! Course. Yeah. 
So that's coming up August 14th. 30 is a big number. I mean, that's a really exciting anniversary. It's pretty stinking majestic is what I think it is, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. is pretty stinking no, it majestic. Is. It, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's a big number for us. I mean, we're proud of it, and it, it continues to grow every year. Um, obviously, it, there's uh, a lot of people that it, we also say once from Darwin, always from Darwin. So we get a lot of former Darwinites that kind of come back and have a reunion. And then... Um, we invite the world to come celebrate Darwin and celebrate uh, the world's largest ball twine by one man. That's incredible. I want to talk a little bit more about the Darwin twine ball celebration. But I want to go back to something you said about Francis Johnson and to steal a line from the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota, the song by Weird Al. What on earth would make a man decide to do that kind of thing? Do you have <laughs> any idea why Francis started a ball of twine? Well, you know that's the unanswerable question, and it—I uh, <laughs> guess if we really did know, it wouldn't—it wouldn't be quite, you know, as fun because that's probably, probably part of it is just, you know, that question: why? Why did he do it? <laughs> But uh, <laughs> I think the family has said, and it's probably fair, that he was a little eccentric. Um, he did uh, he did seem to have, um, you know, kind of definitely, I don't know how, how to say it, but he ended up with a lot of collections. And he also, um, throughout those years, was a bachelor. So that did give him, you know, the four to hours in a day to allow... Um, one to roll a twine ball. I'm not as sure that that, that would go over well in my family. Right. So I can't really hang out with the kids tonight. I'm busy um, from here until night, until I go to bed rolling a ball of twine. But um, but it, uh, we're grateful that he that he put the time into it. It is um, it's a pretty neat thing that that he's left to our community and and the opportunity that gives us to you know to welcome the world and and share his legacy and, uh, you know, his prize Sissel Sphere. Um, you know, it's, <laughs> it, it, if, 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 uh, if, if I, if after I go, you know, a town celebrates for 30 years, you know, my, my life's creation, I think that's a pretty successful life and the amount of joy and, and happiness that he's brought to the faces of, for whether it be kids like me back then that were visiting him when I was at his house and he was still there to, you know, to share the story with mm -hmm. them or whether it be the volunteers now at the Twineball Museum that, that share it. There's still a lot of smiles being brought by Francis Johnson. So why he did it, I really don't know, but I'm I'm just grateful that he did. Um, his family would always say he kind of did it because it was there. And it was, he was certainly, you know, like I said, he grew up in the area, in the era of the Great Depression. I mean, he's probably born, I don't know exactly here, but, you know, just after 1900, so he certainly went through some hard times, and individuals in that generation were certainly not one to to throw things away, um, as there was always be a use for many things later, and twine is one of those things that that uh, and I don't know when he started. Did he intend that it would be used again in the farm, and it just kind of at some point he must have realized, well, this is better purpose for as a as a twine ball that it is back on a hay bale right um but even even today it uh so i'm sure at the beginning he thought he would be able to reuse it because it does have you know the i don't know what natural preservatives it has but if you come visit us today and and you get inside the gazebo you can certainly smell it but it 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 has the same sisal smell that new twine does when you would go get it from the store now hmm. and it's largely in the same condition so um wow 
yeah, I'm glad he chose that uh, material as well because it's it stood the test of time. So wow. Now forgive me if you covered this, but did he work on it until he was too sick to continue, or was there a point where he just stopped and was like, "This is enough"? Yeah, no, I think I think it was probably just the sheer size of. I mean, it, it, if you think about it, if you and I would start one now, I mean, we could. It's pretty easy when you can contain it within you know two hands, and the larger it gets, um, yeah, the more. I won't say cumbersome, but it definitely is more work. Um, we have rolled a couple for um, some some community events we have. I've made some, and <laughs> really? I cheated. That, unlike Francis, yeah, <laughs> I would take like a workout, you know, those workout balls, yeah, and then I <laughs> I would cover those up. But it took ten thousand feet of twine on each one just wow. to. So there's almost two oh, miles wow. of twine on those things just to hide all the you know rubber underneath yeah. <laughs> and and to me it only gained you know you know a couple inches in, right in, uh, in, <laughs> right in thickness but um do we know what's at the center of the twine ball well there's certainly twine i mean there's no question about it otherwise it wouldn't be the world's largest ball of twine uh people have speculated of course nobody was there with them in the basement but as some people have speculated as prevalent as baseball was back then that it could have been you know use a baseball to start with but Mm-hmm. It's pretty easy to just wrap twine around two fingers and start with that. So yeah, I'm I'm sure the core itself is twine. So now it's over, and you know that's after four hours a day every day for 29 years. He um, he he ended up with a twine ball that was 12 feet tall, 40 feet around, and and weighed when they brought it into town oh 17,400 pounds. So, wow. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty impressive. There's a lot of things impressive about it. I mean, to me, still the number twenty nine years, four hours, four hours a day, really just gets me. But when you go over there and and you're able to visit Twine Ball and just look and think that one person did this, it's kind of. I mean, it's just it's really hard to imagine unless you can see it in person and hear yeah. the story of Francis. So, and he did roll it outside too forever. It was on his front yard. It wasn't till the later years. Um, that he covered it up, and I don't know if he. Well, you you asked if if what made him stop. So a combination of health and age, um, you know. And in the in the later years, there's pictures. So he would take kind of a spool, um, like a like a like a, I don't know if it was a stick with a little spool at the end of it, and he would just kind of um, use that to put the twine on the top, and um, I suppose after a while, it just kind of got to be too much because you think about it you're the farmers they're not unrolling and unraveling a twine for you they're they're taking off the bale and dropping it off probably a truckload full and it would take a lot of time just to prep it for the twine ball right um and then it's of course it's a it's a continuous string of twine because he square knotted every piece and then he would when he finished he would square knot the next the ending piece from the previous you know rolling session and the new one together (laughs) Um, so people have asked the distance to, or the length, I mean, it'd be, he did not record that. Um, I mean, suppose you could measure, uh, you know, weigh so many feet of twine and kind of make a, make a guess at it, but it, it's a, it's a long dang ways that that's what I would say <laughs> if you'd unravel it, whatever the song would say, it's, it's farther than that. Yeah. Far so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can imagine but, uh, 
but yeah, he did. Then he he lived for many years after that at that same property, and he was, you know, able to still put his twine ball on display and tell the story. But uh, but yeah, ultimately it was it was age and health that that caused him to stop. But by that time, and he was actually at that point um, there was another individual that he inspired decades ago or before that to to that they had created their own twine ball, Frank Stilber from Kansas. So at one point. You know, Francis Johnson was the first to roll this twine ball, but um, word got around, and 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 at this point now, there's three other twine balls that that have their own, you know, contention on the world's largest right. twine, uh, you know, mantle. Uh, but I uh, I think Francis is, and actually, the the one that this Frank Stilber took on, and he did pass away, um, and Francis finished his uh, was larger when he was done, but. The town of Cocker City took up his cause, and and that you can go there today and and roll uh, twine onto that twine ball, and that one now, I, I believe, is is the largest, but it's by a community or whoever right, yeah. chooses to participate. But the the feat by one man, I think, is still what really impresses me. So definitely, and we're certainly if we could pick one, we we, we got the one we want. So. <laughs> No, I was going to ask you about some of these other twine balls. Is there a rivalry with the Cocker City, Kansas, and uh, Darwin, and maybe the one in Wisconsin or Missouri? Do you guys have a, like a rivalry going or anything? No, like that? I mean we're pretty, yeah, we're pretty welcoming here to anybody that is a big a fan of twine balls as we are. Um, <laughs> I would say that they we're we don't begrudge them their uh, their claims for sure. We're happy to have the one we have. I. Uh, I yeah I fully I would recognize Cocker City is definitely larger it's uh it's but yeah it's not the sphere that Francis you know had had created it just kind of is getting wider and wider they don't really roll it um uh and the, the other ones yeah I don't know as much about those but I'm sure like I said I I would hope that I've heard that Cocker City is as much a fan as uh as we are here of ours, so I'm I'm happy that they have uh, <laughs> something that can uh, unite their community together. <laughs> the one in, uh, yeah, the Ripley's Believe It or Not one, I, yeah, probably, I leave to me. There's two twine balls, Sissel ones, that, uh, and that'd be the one from Francis Johnson and Frank Stober. The other ones are, nah, also Rands. So. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so there's no rivalry there. Dave and I like to imagine that there's a rivalry between Darwin, Minnesota, and Dassel, Minnesota. Can you speak to that at all? <laughs> uh, no, I would. I you can. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I I I imagine you wish that I would kind of fulfill your dreams of this uh, invented <laughs> rivalry, but actually we get along pretty well. Okay, um, okay. <laughs> and so we, even the people in Dassel, we have a Darwin night at the ballpark, which is kind of a community gathering we do to celebrate our town ball heritage. We no longer have a town ball team, but they have a beautiful park over in Dassel, and their their uh, their baseball team allows us to kind of take the night over and um, celebrate Darwin and the twine ball. We have twine ball races. When I talked about the reason that I'd made those those kind of <laughs> uh, workout balls, so the kids take them and one of them rolls it down to third and back, the other to first and back, and they have races. <laughs> you know, two or three of them. Oh, cool. the and uh, so we have a good time with that. But no, no, we have we have good neighbors to the 
east and west and Litchfield on the west and Dassel mm-hmm. to the east. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> but if it suits the podcast well to create some, you know, <laughs> some friction between them, that go go right ahead. So. I, I think I think it's mostly discover Darwin and discover Dassel. Those are the the uh, you know the agencies are the ones that are, are fighting. I guess not necessarily the people. Well, there's certainly the main reason to visit Dassel is because Darwin is five miles west and you can visit twine ball so i i don't dispute that 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 we we would have the uh preferred roadside attraction and uh yeah and i would hope that that dassel mentions a twine ball and their their reasons to visit dassel because i think the case is rested there yeah i mean i just say if you if you want to look at which town to visit either darwin or dassel which one has the more impressive twine ball Yeah, which is really how you should judge a community, I guess, in all fairness. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) No, no, they're good people too, so. When you get tourists to come visit the Twine Ball, I mean, how many tourists generally do you get in a season, and how many of them are Weird Al fans? Um, So I I would say in the summer months, um, of course last year was different, but... um, in kind of our peak season, which is the summer, you know, the summer uh, traveling season when you get a lot of families that are out on road trips, um, we'd get, you know, on average, I'd say 100 people a day. Um, That's incredible. Weekends are probably grouped a little, wow. a little more there. So we do have some wonderful volunteers that um, work down at the Twine Ball Museum, and we we're able to cover pretty much every like Thursday through Sunday. And then a lot of other ones um, are able, just by appointment. We have some on-call volunteers that numbers at the door. If, um, if no, the museum's not open, they're able usually to come down there. Otherwise, if they reach out to the, the Twine Ball um, Facebook page and message us, we're usually able to, to accommodate them by meeting at specific times or something that works for a volunteer mm-hmm. um, that way as well. And, and, of course, the wonderful thing about the Twine Ball is it's it's really no matter when you come and what's open or closed it's it's available for viewing 24/7 and and because uh, it's it's in a gazebo that's fully encased in in glass and I, I think actually some of the what the, the best time to view it if you can't get in the museum um, is an evening because we like the inside and you really can't even tell that there's anything between you and the, <laughs> and the twine ball itself so um, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's available. You know, visit day or night. We're we're happy to welcome you, and and it will be, um, yeah, you'll be hopefully um, pleased with your decision. I think you will. Yeah. So. <laughs> now, how many people rolling through there tell you that they're visiting exclusively because of Weird Al's song? So, as far as what um, I would say, depending on the time of year and depending what's going on. I'd say at least a third of of our the the guests we get into town that are visiting a twine ball were um, largely inspired by their twine ball um, fandom through their fan of weird um, weird Al and his music, <laughs> and I would say that's the minimum a third. And then at certain times of year, it's much higher. I mean, I know Al's been, you know, in eighteen and nineteen he was touring a little more, and then with the strings attached. Um, tour he would played the 
the Minnesota State Fair, and I would say ninety yeah. percent of the people that visited <laughs> Twine Ball were definitely there because you know Weird Al had inspired them, you know, to become Twine Ball fans as well. Um, so I I'd say on average, you know, it's you know it's 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 a good chunk, you know, certainly whether they whether they discover the Twine Ball through Weird Al or like I said earlier, as as many of us also did, discovered Weird Al through the Twine Ball. I think uh, those two um, those two national treasures are a, a wonderful <laughs> fit together. Yes. And um, and and the people that follow either are are some of the nicest people in the world. And and we're glad that that's those are the two things that we're you know tied to in Darwin. So I love it. But we're certainly grateful for Al, and he has definitely you know, done more than his share to promote uh, Francis's twine ball and our little town. And we are eternally grateful for that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and we were, and we were actually able to thank him, you know, in person a couple of years ago. That was a really neat thing. Really? Um, a lot of our, yeah, a lot of our, um, so in, yeah, as I mentioned, 2019, he was one of the headliners at the Minnesota State Fair, which is the great Minnesota get together as it's known as it's, um, the end of August, early September, and um, many of the Twine Ball volunteers, we had already um, decided to get tickets. We were going to go down there and just take in the concert because, again, we've become big fans of his. Um, and um, earlier in that tour, they had reached out, um, uh, Jay, his, uh, his manager, mm-hmm. um, nice individual, and they were looking for some pictures, and we were able to accommodate them with some Francis pictures, um, there's a lot of good photos of Francis with this wine ball and they were going to feature some of those during the song and put them on the background. But we absolutely were really, you know, thrilled that they were interested in that and happy to accommodate them. But, um, so they, when the time came, when it, when the, when the, um, days before or a week before, um, he was going to play, um, they had reached out Al's people and, um, Jay and offered to, um, offered a backstage pass so we could you know at at that time was just me and my family and i said well i'd love to but i'm not going to leave you know the people were going there was i said there's actually 15 of us 15 or 17 of us going already got tickets so um and then they reached out he said absolutely you're all welcome so they were they were gracious enough to um to provide us all with some some backstage passes and we brought we exchanged shirts. We were we brought twine ball shirts for the band <laughs> and and all the wonderful people that were involved in that in that um, tour. You know, behind the scenes, um, I think Melissa King was the name of one, and then uh, yep. JW who was kind of yeah, um, and then and then got one for Jay, and then all the band members and and whoever <laughs> they wanted as well. And they they again were nice enough to to uh, give us some shirts and then after the after the concert um al al actually took out some time before he did his other after concert things that i'm sure that they they do through VIP passes and other things but but took time right after the concert to to meet with our group and we had brought our twine ball the one that we roll (laughs) down the baselines at that and and um and got a picture with him and actually some of the other members of the band also and this is one of the things i still feel bad about we went back there and we're waiting by the trailer if you've ever been backstage and you know and kind of where they said okay they you know 
you don't expect to see the band members right after, but there was two individuals back there just waiting. And I got straight, you know, I struck up a conversation. I'm like, I just tell them how thrilled we are that the opportunity and, and, you know, this, we're from Darwin and this is our tie to Al. And, you know, we're just kind of waiting. And then, and then, you know, the other individual, a taller guy was, okay, that's great. And here, and then, and then they say, okay, well, we got to go. And, uh, and he said, yeah, okay, my name's Steve. Nice to meet you. And I'm like, oh. I didn't realize till later, right. but it was uh, Steve J. and then uh, Jim West. And I, like, of course, I didn't, I didn't, yeah. I'm not used to seeing those guys in, in their full band gear either. But, uh, but of course, I do. I, I did reach out later and said, want them to know how much we are fans of, of of their contribution and their their music as well. Wow, so, cool. but then uh, <laughs> sure. so, so that was nice that they did that. And then then Al, you know, took time, took some great pictures that we have at the Twinebaum Museum today. And <laughs> and uh, yeah, very cool. How exciting! <laughs> it, it was. It was. Like I said, we've uh, we've all become. Um, and then we're we're passing that on. I know my kids are have definitely. Uh, and that's the great thing about being tied to you know an artist such as al i mean you talk about things that are you know wholesome and stand the test of time i mean the twine ball and al yankovic i mean yeah if you're gonna if you're gonna tie yourself to an artist that's that's <laughs> definitely a, a good one to uh to be affiliated with so so again we're yeah grateful for his contribution his song and and uh and his whole career well tell us about the weird alley street in darwin Oh, well, that was actually that same, that was that same week. Um, so we have a, um, uh, not quite five years ago, we started a legacy foundation here in town. And this is only a town of 350 people. Um, so it's small, even by rural Minnesota standards. Um, but we do have a, 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 a group of people that really care about the community and, and, and work to give back to it until there's in it. And we started our legacy foundation. Um, so through that foundation, we were doing some things to improve, you know, Darwin. And one of them was kind of, you know, aesthetic things that, you know, we have a lot of people that come through town and we want our main street, especially to be, you know, we want them to say, okay, not only is the twine ball property great, but the rest of it was, you know, really neat. And so we, we came up with these new uh, street signs in Darwin and they, they feature the twine ball on all the street signs. Um, so cool. we put those throughout town and when we ordered the ones I had ordered all the street names and when we went through the vendor I had ordered a couple additional ones and one of them there's an unnamed alley right next to the Twineball Museum and and I ordered one that just said Twineball Lane and we put it there kind of you know just for picture taking yep. but um, and this was probably you know a year before when I would ordered these signs another one that I thought okay what can we do to you know, another thing that would be always, you know, that the fans might appreciate of the twine ball or of, of, of Al. And so this, a couple variations of this, uh, Al, weird alley, um, had kind of struck me. So I ordered a couple signs and I, I think I ordered another one that said like, um, Allie Yankovic maybe, and, um, and, uh, Yankovic alley, but but Weird Alley definitely had the best ring to it. When we yeah. Got in there. Okay, that's. So yeah. the week before, I had taken off the Twine Ball Lane sign and put up Weird Alley. I was thinking, okay, Al's playing at the Great Minnesota Get Together. You know, it'd be 
great to, you know, <laughs> get a little publicity for him and the people coming here. So I took a picture and I sent it um, to Jay at Levy. I think is that how it's pronounced? Yep. But, um, yep. But yep. his manager. And so I said, you know, just letting you know we did this and I'm going to, I said, I'm going to tweet it later. So, so keep an eye out for that. And I thought, you know, well, this will be the great unveiling. I hadn't even told, like, the council had no idea. I just renamed a, a street. <laughs> and, and, and then all of a sudden, it's like two hours later, and my phone just kind of going, because I had managed, there's a, there's a twine, uh, Darwin Twineball Twitter account as well. And it's just kind of going nuts. And I'm like, what's going on? And, and then I see that this picture of, um, that Al had had uh, taken it and ran with it himself, and um, and I'm glad he did because anything that I that we had done as uh, uh, at the the volunteers at the Twine Ball or myself would have done would never have uh, matched you know his yeah. unveiling of it. So <laughs> yeah. so it was it was a it was a surprise but a good one. And um, so yeah, I got a, got some some more play, and of course that still uh, remains there to this day. Um, there was one individual that wanted it uh, a little too much, so we did have to replace it. But why <laughs> right, not, um, right. we got some yeah. some other ones standing at the ready, um, just in case. But um, but yeah, no, and it's it uh, yeah. So it was it was uh, it's far too popular to to go back to the old name again now. So it will it, it will remain Weird Alley in perpetuity. So. <laughs> Are there any Excellent. mailboxes on Weird Alley? Does anyone have a Weird Alley, you know, address? No, but if I've lived there, I would have changed mine by now. But yeah. no, I, uh, <laughs> nobody has requested that. Um, <laughs> no, it's it wow. does it somehow Google finds a way. I don't know where they get their mapping, but even though it's not an official street name, it's they they picked it up the the right name now on on all the maps, whether it be Apple or Google. So that's great. That's all. It, nice. If it's right there, I guess that's all people will ever really look at anyway. So. Right. <laughs> now, do you have any idea what happened when that sign went missing? Uh, what was it like last year? I think. Yeah. No, I don't. It's. Uh, I don't know, but who knows? But it's too bad. But I, I, uh, I mean, if you think how many people have visited and and how maybe many people have thought about it, it's uh, if we only lose one every you know two three years, I guess <laughs> I can deal with it. But uh, there is surveillance. Uh, you know, people, if anybody gets a bright idea, it's a good a little more. That's good um, to hear. Okay, good. Than it was in the past, but uh, but just in case. Yeah, we're not uh, we're not selling the weird alley ones anymore. We got to maintain those for our own, you know, emergency use purposes. So <laughs> can't can't uh, can't offload all of our inventory. Yeah, they were very popular. No, no. So if you have a weird alley sign, it's very limited edition. Uh, There's probably only twenty out there, and I'm saving. I got a I got a couple that I've I told Al will get. I still have his. So that one that one is earmarked for him because he never did get one by that time but when we went there to visit him that day we only had the one so i didn't want to take that one off right um and we did order a couple more right away um but but now that that place isn't around anymore so gotta but but yeah he's got one coming his way (laughs) very cool now, Weird Al visited the Twine Bowl back in 1996. Were you there for that experience? No, no, I, I wasn't. I don't know that it was 
really publicized as far as you know i think the um the volunteers at the time and the you know the curator of the museum at that time uh, it was known to them and and of course they probably you know organized uh, I, I don't know to what extent he made it around darwin but i know he did have dinner at the at least i've been told at the um the nephew of francis johnson who was you know, at that time, um, still very involved with cool. Francis's legacy and the Twine Ball oh, and the Darwin cool. Community Club. And the Darwin Community Club is really the entity, the the civic group that is a steward of you know the Twine Ball and the and the Darwin Historical Museum. So um, he being important of that, important part of that, and his relationship to Francis. It sounds like he had Al was nice enough to have dinner out there. Um, I believe he went there with. Um, Looking at the pictures, I think John Schwartz was with him at the time, mm-hmm. and yep. um, I don't know who else. Um, photo wise, there really nobody else from the band that I noticed in there. But, but he was able, you know, to. We got some wonderful pictures that we have up in the museum. I know they gave him a shirt, and uh, he was able to, to to hug the twine ball, which unfortunately <laughs> we no longer allow today. But if he would visit, I would certainly right. think we could make an exception make an again. Yeah, <laughs> um, but no, it was so. It was wonderful that he that he was nice enough to take the time to to visit the folks in Darwin. Um, so cool. We've sort of mentioned our, our segment. We have a weekly segment where we do talk about uh, Darwin, Minnesota, and the different businesses in Darwin uh, called Discover Darwin. And you know, one of our favorite ones to talk about, especially a favorite one among our listeners, is Perennial Bank. Do you know anything about Perennial Bank? <laughs> well, yeah, I've been employed by Perennial Bank. Um, off and on, actually, since I was in ninth grade, it is. Uh, wow! I spoke of my grandfather, who was the mayor. Um, yeah, he actually did uh, own the bank at at uh, one point, and of course, his it, then eventually his children um, did purchase it from him. So, wow! Yeah, I was uh, I was a teller <laughs> here in ninth grade, and at that time, it was not Perennial Bank. So I, I should I should uh, clarify that it was Farmer State Bank of Darwin, uh, with one location right here in downtown Darwin, Minnesota. Um, and then, um, worked as a teller for four summers, uh, went to school in, in, uh, about 45 minutes away from here and then did, uh, did work again after, after college and, and been again employed here since, uh, for 20 years now. Wow. Um, so yeah, I know a little bit, yeah. of, <laughs> a little bit about perennial bank. So I do appreciate the play that we've been getting and, and I, uh, uh, we're very grateful for it. As I said earlier, I do have a list of fine um, Darwin businesses and uh, local establishments that I will be providing that we can we can get. Uh, I don't want to hog all the Darwin um, business uh, promotion <laughs> segments in Discover Darwin because we do have a lot of um, important businesses and business owners for our community. So I'll be providing them, but I, that doesn't mean I'm not I'm not. Uh, uh, proud of what Perennial Bank has done for, for sure. the year, but but yeah, we'll find you some some additional material. Great, so great, and I mean, yeah. So I've been been employed by Perennial Banks for twenty years. I've been the president for the last four years, and and uh, enjoy my time here. They're they're very you know uh, considerate in in allowing me to 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 use my time in ways that benefit our one, whether it be mayoral things that pop up here to there. Or even, you know, guests that are visiting Darwin that come in and say, hey, there's nobody down there. Can you come over to the museum or whatever? <laughs> so 
I, right. I appreciate that my coworkers, you know, and and my boss have been um, been so willing to uh, to allow us to, that extra time to promote the twine ball and Darwin and keep it on the on the right path. So. Yeah. Oh, how but, cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, excluding the the perennial bank and excluding the twine ball, what are some other reasons why people might want to visit? Darwin. Well, there's, I mean, like I said, if what people should really live in Darwin is what they should do, but I know that that's not possible. <laughs> but if you want to come and visit and just get a piece of, of the community that I've come to grow and love so much, um, like I said, some of the nicest uh, caring and, and giving people in the world, um, whether it be at, later I'll be going to the, our Lions Club and, and uh, the people of our church or, or just the people that come in and and have cabins around here and enjoy our lakes. So Darwin is, it's like I said earlier, it's kind of uh, a good mix of ag, um, but also a lot of business opportunity. The county seat is about uh, six miles west of us, Litchfield. There's, you know, 6,000, 6,500 people. There are a lot of, uh, of newer, of, uh, you know, larger businesses and business opportunity. Uh, 15 minutes south, we have a, a town that's about, 15, 20,000 size, and then, you know, 30 minutes north, there's St. Cloud, that's probably, I don't know, 50, 60, and then, of course, the Twin Cities is an hour hmm. to the east. Um, but it's it's the people that make up Darwin, and it's still, a, you know, a, a small rural community where people care about each other. Good schools in Darwin, we actually have, a, a, we're blessed with Two school districts they could enroll in. There's two buses that go through town, whether it be Litchfield or Descocato. Um, hmm. Some wonderful, of course, Minnesota is the land of 10,000 lakes, um, and we have um, some really fine ones right outside of Darwin. And Darwin, the city, it's just 350, which I mentioned, but really the Darwin community is comprised of, of course, the people outside of there and within the, the township of Darwin. So the lakes area and, you know, the agricultural community and, and the people that are involved in the churches and the civic clubs and the, and the other things that help make Darwin, you know, go. We uh, briefly talked about the uh, annual twine ball celebration. And, of course, the 30th annual one is coming up on Saturday, August 14th. And I was looking at you know, some of the information. There's some really fun stuff. There's a raffle, you know, there's uh, different uh, vendors and stuff. But it would really... St- struck me is the parade and it features local royalty now josh do you count as local royalty no i'm definitely not a royalty (laughs) (laughs) i uh no um no i i so i would say darwin officially doesn't have their our own um you know pageant as it were um but there are a lot of people that tend to go through and kind of self proclaimed title of Miss Darwin. That's that's been a common theme okay. um, over the years. So if you want to come to Darwin and call yourself, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Darwin and go in the parade, by all means go right ahead. Wow. Um, I've I've had yeah. But no, we do have so the other communities in the area do have their own um uh their own pageantry or, or individuals okay. that that come that uh, that we we welcome. So there is royalty from um, from Litchfield, Dassel, you know, other other communities. A few years ago, uh, we had um, a wonderful individual named Tim Simplett. He was associated with the St. Paul Winter Carnival, so we had the Winter Carnival 
Um, of course, St. Paul is the capital of Minnesota, but the St. Paul Winter, Winter Carnival people were in the Darwin Parade, and that was probably six, seven years ago now, but they came out and, and they were featured. So royalty from all, I can literally say royalty from all over the state uh, will be there or have been there. Um, yeah, a lot of lot of wonderful things. It, it's it's a day to celebrate the twine ball and and Darwin. We started off with a, our twine K run, which is a seventeen thousand four hundred foot race to celebrate a seventeen thousand four hundred pound ball of twine. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's, okay. It's about three point three miles, so a little over a fine a five k. So we we call it the twine K. And then uh, I mean the big draws of the day are the parade, uh, which which has a a lot of uh, participants it is free so anybody that kind of wants to promote their own thing and a lot of people in the area just come up with their unique uh float idea and put it in whether it be whether they're promoting a business or just their family um like you know whether it be a family reunion or family history float uh, theme floats we've had those um, every year lots of those (laughs) uh and then we have tractor pole that is kind of like you know souped up tractors mini rods that uh that pull weights and uh down right on main street darwin we shut it down and and uh yeah other, other things going on beanbag tournament volleyball a lot of good food we have two wonderful restaurants here in town now that uh that uh have been open and uh, troubles and v's and they have their own food specials they run and our our lions club sells uh, hamburgers brats and and beer in the park and yeah it's a it's a it's a fun event uh, sounds awesome fun family event and yeah and get, get together with a lot of friends and and uh family former darwinites so <laughs> so august 4th it's always the second saturday in august so whether it doesn't work this if it doesn't work this year you know put it on your calendar going forward second saturday in august is is twine ball day in darwin minnesota and we would love to Love to welcome anybody. So, and of course, that the museum's open that day, so it's a wonderful time to to pick up some twine ball gear and uh, get a nice <laughs> close look at the, yeah. the world's largest ball twine by one man. And it, and of course, for all the Weird Al fans, there's lots of uh, wonderful Weird Al things, uh, little pride, uh, little treasures within the museum as well. Well, uh, very kind cool. of documenting his very history cool. <laughs> um, to the twine ball and, and to Darwin. So yeah, I want to thank you for clarifying what a Darwin twine K was and why it is exactly three point three miles. I mean, as part of my exercise routine, I do a lot of running and I would run a lot of five Ks, which is three point one miles. And then when I saw this, I said, I have to run a twine K. I don't know why it's three point three miles, have to. but I have to run it. <laughs> so I did the other day. I ran my first twine K. And, uh, you know, my time wasn't as good as, as I wanted, but it, you know, I did complete a twine K. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I think from now on, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, continue to run twine K's instead of five. Yeah. I like it. I, it, those, those extra two tenths make a big difference. Yeah. No, we, uh, we actually, it's, it's a fun run. It's, uh, it's kind of laid back and, uh, and, uh, yeah, at the beginning, even we have an individual, one of the one of the early houses on the on the on the run he puts out some some free beer even for all who want to partake on on the way back and, and i guess <laughs> some people can't i like i tell people to be in the run i said there's only 48 beers so you've got to look around and ask yourself are you one of the 48 fastest people here because if you're not you might want to grab one on the way out 
but <laughs> I love it. But it's a uh, it's it's a fun way to start the day. It uh, and it and it just continues after that. So we uh, we enjoy the day and and uh, and I'm looking forward to it again. Now, is the official motto of Darwin "Have a ball in Darwin"? Yeah, I would say if you had to pick one, I mean that's 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 a good one to go with. But I and there's a lot that that uh, that ha- that we have um, have uh, put on shirts or apparel or been tied to. Um, so there's there's a lot of clever ways to that that uh, past and current uh, volunteers and Darwin Community Club members have have gone about uh, promoting the twine ball. Um, we had a shirt, even, I think we had, even tying it to Darwin's theory of evolution, we had one where, if you've seen, like, the, the symbol of where, like, it would be a monkey that turns into a yeah. uh, uh, a human. Yeah. It, instead of this, it's a small twine ball that, that uh, the same stick person's rolling it, <laughs> this, then a larger twine ball, and then a larger one, and then oh. a, finally, you know, the 12-foot twine ball on the shirt, and that Darwin Minnesota's theory of evolution, so... <laughs> Um, I feel like I, 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 it, I yeah. need <laughs> all of that merchandise in my collection. Every every bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I my wife goes. I wear nothing but Darwin related, uh, you know, gear when we go out. Yeah, it's going to be twine ball. Uh, you know, whether it be the twine K. I have like eight years of twine K shirts now, <laughs> and whether otherwise all the all the different <laughs> versions we have of of. Uh, of our Darwin twine ball, you know, shirts at the museum wow. or these, you know, uh, Darwin at the ballpark shirts that we give out to. And, uh, so yeah, I'm always donning Darwin apparel. It's, it's, it's good stuff. You should get yourself some. I highly recommend it. It's, uh, so if, if you do plan that twine ball day, you know, expedition, be sure to start early, get, get the twine K registration in and do it right. <laughs> do it from sun up to sundown. So. Yeah. <laughs> wow, it sounds great. As you heard as part of our Discover Darwin ad, our slogan is Discover Darwin more than just a twine ball. Would you consider changing your slogan to something like that? Ooh, I don't know. I mean, I'm a big fan of Darwin, there's no doubt, but <laughs> um when we're when we're promoting the the part of it that promotes the twine ball, I hate to leave that. That still needs to be the feature of 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 at least our twine ball related advertising. <laughs> so if you're going to see it in the museum, but you're right, if there's a if there's another wing like a Darwin business promotional department, that would be a good you know a good it would be a good slogan for them, which we don't have yet. You guys are the wing of our Darwin. <laughs> You know, business promotion department okay, good. at the moment. <laughs> so you can continue to use that. And I haven't looked if Darwin, you know, discoverdarwin.biz is already taken. I would assume that you've locked that up, that uh, it just can't be, you know, I don't want to lead people on somewhere that um, promotes Dassel or something on such a site. <laughs> oh, we, we, would, we would never allow that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we do have a treat for you. We, we we are going to get you your very own Discover Darwin T-shirt, which you can proudly wear with all your other Darwin-related oh. T-shirts. <laughs> well, I'll uh, I will gladly exchange uh, that with you if you if you would allow me the give me a mailing address. And I'll be sure that you get some twine ball shirts in return. I'll, Excellent. Excellent. We'll we'll hook you up. Sounds like a great deal. Yeah, (laughs) we'll we'll definitely hook you up with that and a few stickers as well. Um, 
I just had a couple more questions about basically just random things that have been on my mind recently. And one thing you mentioned earlier is that when Francis Johnson was building the the ball, it was initially outside and wasn't covered. Well, I know that Minnesota has some really rough winters and you get a lot of snow there. And I just, I just can't imagine that ball being covered with snow for months at a time. And what it smelled like after all that moisture <laughs> had been sitting in it for all that time. Yeah, I mean, well, I will say I can't recall what it the, the scent was uh, back then when I was a kid playing on it outside. Um, but I will say now, whatever moisture that was inside has at least worked its way out that, you know, just a, a nice, just just the little, just the right amount of mustiness that you want for a seventy-year-old ball of twine, <laughs> as opposed to, because you you don't you want to be able to experience the the full you know nasal sensation of seventy-year-old twine when you get inside the gazebo, but also mostly still mostly still smell the sisal twine, which is what we got going now. Right. Um, right. Yes. When he did have it in his yard, I mean, it would rain on it. It would. I think I've seen pictures in the winter where he did throw a piece of plastic over it, um, but you, you know, there certainly wasn't done, um, you know, throughout the majority of the thirty years, um, and only after he stopped, I think, w- was when it had the, um, you know, the grain silo top, and that was open air on one side anyway, so there's still a lot of moisture getting in. Um, I will. I will just say, twine is a, is an amazing material because it has it has really um, handled itself well um, <laughs> from from the point in 1950 when he started. So you, people got to remember that's that's the oldest twine in there. I mean, this 72 or 71 year old twine uh, in the middle of that twine ball, <laughs> and then on the outside, you know, it's 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 just over 40 years. It, it's it's held up really well. So whatever, like I said, the natural preservatives of twine, sisal twine, or if they add something, um, like I said, I'm just happy that he used that material. But you 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 recall, of course, the reference in the song to the weight, um, right? You know, twenty one thousand pounds, and and that at at some point was a number Francis was using, um, and that's where so so Al really didn't. Um, from from what I've seen, um, he didn't just come up with that because it happened to rhyme, um, and it happened to sound good, you know, in that portion of the song. Right. Um, that twenty one thousand one hundred forty pounds of string was what Francis had was telling people that weighed at the time, and I don't know how that weight, you know, was taken. But but I actually I totally I totally believe it because if you have if if you take a you know a ball like that and you rain on it, it rains on it for for a season and you weigh it it's going to weigh you know it's going to be some water weight to that yeah and so i i do believe at that point that that it probably did weigh 21,000 pounds um but by the time they moved in and it had been covered for a long time before that when they moved in town they put it on a grain scale which um whether you're going to get a very accurate measurement um from the 17,400 pounds was was a certainty at that point, so that's the number we've gone with um, since then. <laughs> um, but mm-hmm. yeah, it uh, 
No, there was there was a there was no way to really protect it from the elements when he was rolling it. Um, it, it, it at least as long as he wanted it to be viewed by the world, which he which he certainly did. And I think he enjoyed sharing, um, you know, his 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 prized you know um, Sissel sphere with everyone. It it had to be fun to build those relationships. I know it's been fun for me for you know for the work I've done as a volunteer at the community club and. And I know the same thing that drives the other volunteers, you know, be able to to develop relationships with people from all over the world, whether, you know, some people travel from, I mean, and they don't come here just to see the twine ball from some other country. But if they're here, that has happened, but the majority, they're here in Minnesota and, you know, they're, they've, you know, they're either Weird Al fans or they're, you know, roadside attraction fans or right. the world largest things fans or and they go out of their way to visit darwin so we try to try to justify that that time and i think we do a good job at that but another question about the song the biggest ball of twine in minnesota and i'm curious to hear your reaction to if you can think back to the first time you heard that song and then when you finally realized that he was talking about your twine ball right there in darwin minnesota what was your reaction to hearing that well, it was pretty popular, um, even, you know, so I would have been, what was it, right before 1990, right around there? I was probably 10, yeah. 11. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and Weird Al was already, you know, a big deal then, or certainly becoming one, um, especially for kids my age. And and again, as I mentioned earlier, thankfully, he, it continues to be so for generation after generation. Yeah. But, but yeah, it... Uh, it probably, I mean, I think for 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 Weird Al, you know, fans that are not just kind of, oh, I know that song and I know I've heard of that, ones that are you know really fans. I think like like we've become and I am, it it's got to be one of the favorites for for a good percentage of them just because, you know, it's it's more you know his more of a style parody and and yeah. and. and <laughs> I just, yeah. I just love every, from start to finish. I mean, it, the story he tells and the the ingenious of the lyrics and uh, and the fact that it's so long. I love it, it's good because that's about the length of our parade that it takes to go through it. So when you start the Weird Al, the, the biggest ball of twine Minnesota song, and you go all three blocks, then you're that's that's one song length worth, and you should have all your candy thrown out. Your candy should be gone by that point. And then, you know, then you head over and the bar's at the end waiting for you. And then, uh, and sometimes they go through twice. We have had um, many um, parade vehicles that go through a second time. But, but, um, but no, I, it's like, it's, it's heard throughout the day. If so, you, when we visit Darwin, you'll hear that. Awesome. Um, awesome. And, and I think in Darwin, we realized Great. right away it's, it's our song because, you know, what's kind of our, that was our thing even and at this point i mean when that came out francis was it was his twine ball had not been moved into into downtown darwin so it was still on highway 12 and the family was um kind of taking care of it so i think actually uh, the twine ball um i don't know the legacy of the twine ball or twine ball you know awareness if you want to say that was was still in its infancy and i think there's no doubt that else El's uh, song, his contribution to, to that really helped uh, take it to where it's gone today. So, again, we're 
we're grateful for that. So that's so incredible. Have you ever sat under that makeshift pagoda, that gazebo, and you've just stared at the glorious, huge, majestic sphere in front of you <laughs> and had to pop yourself a beer, like in the song? Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, on Twineball Day, there's no question there would have been beer near there. Um, <laughs> I, I thankfully don't have to feel the urge to drink every time I see it because uh, <laughs> several times a day I will, I will if not drive by it and walk <laughs> by it. And but there's no time that I that I pass it that I am not just still amazed by the feet that uh, that uh, that uh, Francis's feet and his uh, his life passion. And there's no time that I'm not uh, thrilled and grateful that that it sits where it sits on our our beautiful main street. So, no, it it it, it certainly still inspires me when I look at it. But uh, but uh, um, I don't have to crack the beer every time. <laughs> not every, just not for every, special occasions, just right? Every, just for just special every occasions. Few times. Right. <laughs> but we get we get people, of course, that come. You know. There's all we got a whole pile of twine ball or bus signs, you know, that people that have visited have left, and there's <laughs> families that 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 go and their whole theme they're going to hit it from top to bottom, and they bring you know the pickled and the and the the uh, pickled the wieners, chocolate soda, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they got the diet chocolate soda. In fact, we still have some diet chocolate soda at the museum that people have left. So, so it's kind of it's cool. props, and if you don't bring your own, we got some props for you. There's no official Bernie running around town, you know, thieving <laughs> and stealing cameras from from tourists. Um, but but the other stuff we got we got covered in there. So you don't need to bring your your own props, but. Uh, um, but no, there's a lot of things in the song that are that are still still accurate and and uh, and, and uh, again, what people the family trip thing is absolutely that's a thing. I mean, roadside attractions, um, um, you know, Americana and and small town America is it's worth seeing. So and a lot of people know that and thank we're thank goodness that they do because it's one of the things that brings them to Darwin. But you know, we catch people on their way. Oftentimes, you know, they're going to the Black Hills and, you know, Mount Rushmore, Montana, out that way, and then coming the other way. But but we had people, one of the volunteers told me last week, they had, they were um, Weird Al fans. They, um, to some extent, they hadn't heard this song. They lived in Colorado, a family of four or five. They heard it. And they immediately, it was the start of the weekend, they said, let's go. We're driving there right now. They drove <laughs> With the sole purpose of visiting a twine ball, inspired solely by Weird Al's uh, song, "The Biggest Ball of Twine in Minnesota," and and I don't know what the it's got to be, you know, eleven hours, twelve hours from Colorado. I don't, and uh, so they they hit it hard and and made it to Darwin, and uh, <laughs> so there's a lot of stories like that. It's incredible, and uh, and yeah. it's, it's always it's always fun to hear them. It's always fun to be a part of people's, you know, life experiences. Well, Mayor Josh Johnson, Mayor of Darwin, Minnesota, we are so thrilled that you joined us today. We can follow you on social media, twitter.com slash Darwin MN Mayor. And that's also slash Darwin MN Mayor on Facebook. We can also follow the Twine Ball and get information on Facebook. 
And we are so excited for the 30th annual Darwin Twineball Celebration coming up on Saturday, August 14th. And um, as you said, every second Saturday in August, so we can start planning ahead for, for many, many years to come. Thank you so much for joining us and telling us all about Darwin and, and the twine ball. Yeah, no, thank you guys. Uh, it's, it's been a pleasure. And uh, again, thank you for your, for your taking the time to promote Darwin and uh, the twine ball and the businesses of Darwin and uh, that you have done such a fine job of doing this last, uh, last year. So. <laughs> And like I said, I'll I'll send those other businesses. There's more than just Perennial Bank okay. in, uh, in Darwin. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much to Mayor of Darwin, Minnesota, Josh Johnson. How incredible it was getting to talk to him about the twine ball and all of that amazing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was so great. And you know that the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota is not the only time that Weird Al refers to the great city of Darwin, Minnesota? Oh, that's right. Well, tell us, Dave. All right. So in the music video for White and Nerdy, if you pause it when the Trivial Pursuit card comes up, you will see that it includes the question, in what city is the largest ball of twine built by one man? Hmm. In what city the largest ball of twine by one man? My guess, Dave, is Darwin, Minnesota. I think you might be right, but I'm not 100% sure because Weird Al never flipped the card over, so I never got to see the answer. Ah, yeah, you're right. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Joe and Yvonne from Waiting for Lunch Radio. Waiting for Lunch Radio is a free-form radio show inspired by mixtapes and zines, playing a wide range of crazy music and hot, fresh, demented ear food. Waiting for Lunch Radio is not available where you get your podcasts because it's on Mixcloud. But don't you worry, you can find it at waitingforlunch.com. So come on down to Waiting for Lunch Radio and Waiting for Lunch, your Waiting for Lunch Radio. Or hop on over to WaitingForLunch.com for a hot and loaded wizardly vegan freeform radio zine. From Detroit to Jersey City to Europa, Waiting for Lunch Radio feeds your hungry ears with out-of-this-world real music, always freeform style. Leave a weird message at 313-883-9275 or order ahead at waitingforlunchradio.com. This week's episode is also brought to you in part by Discover Darwin, promoting tourism in Darwin, Minnesota. Not only is historic Darwin, Minnesota a beautiful, it is also time to celebrate. That's right. This Saturday, Saturday, August 14th, is the 30th annual Darwin Twine Ball Celebration. And I feel like this episode was already mostly a Discover Darwin ad, so visit Darwin, Minnesota on your next expedition. Discover Darwin more than just a twine ball. And after you visit Darwin, Minnesota, be sure to visit discoverdarwin.biz. If you attend the 30th annual Darwin Twine Ball Celebration this weekend... Or at any time make a pilgrimage to the Twine Ball. Be sure to tell us all about it and leave a message on the official Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast hotline by dialing 347-SPATULA. The 347-SPATULA hotline, the official hotline of Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, is sponsored by Angel Valenzuela and David Cash, two amazing Weird Al fans and podcast supporters. Each week, we're able to bring you our podcast absolutely free thanks to our sponsors, Burrito Burrito, Jackson Scoggins, David Grant at WolfandWool.com, Joe and Yvonne from Waiting for Lunch Radio, Angel Valenzuela and David Cash, and of course, Discover Darwin. 
thanks to our amazing close personal friend Patreon supporters, Frank from the Bank, Kenneth, Jared, Jake, Javier, UH Jeff, Zeb, Allison, and Blair, and thanks to Vicky and everyone else in our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family. If you enjoy our family-friendly weekly Weird Al podcast, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash 2000inch or by picking up some pretty stinking majestic official Dave Nathan's 2000inch Weird Al podcast merchandise such as t-shirts, tote bags, tank tops, towels, and our brand new line of Discover Darwin products over at shop.2000inch.com. Remember, right now, Patreon supporters can check out the first five episodes of our Black and White and Weird All Over bonus episode series, the special book series where we sit down with author John Bermuda Schwartz and go page by page, picture by picture, centimeter by centimeter through his book, Black and White and Weird All Over. Patreon supporters get to hear all bonus episodes early. Everyone else, well, stay tuned. Frank said he would post them outside of Patreon, you know, once he finishes unraveling the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota to see if it will really reach Fargo, North Dakota, or not. We love hearing from our listeners and other Weird Al fans, so join us on our Facebook community and post about Weird Al by visiting group.2000inch.com. And we also absolutely love it when we receive voicemail via our 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline, 347 Spatula. You might even hear your message on a future episode. For everything about our podcast, including our incredible past episodes and guests, be sure to visit WeirdAlPodcast.com or 2000inch.com. And keep up on new episodes, podcast news, and events by following at 2000inch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And thank you, all of you, who have subscribed and left awesome reviews on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Attic, Spotify, Stitcher, and the podcast app of your choice. Thank you once again to our guest, Darwin, Minnesota Mayor Josh Johnson, and also thank you to Vincent Anderson, Joe Jaffa, Perennial Bank, and Francis A. Johnson for single-handedly assembling the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. Thank you to the Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West for our incredible theme song, and thank you to Weird Al Yankovic, as this podcast probably would not exist without him. And a big thank you to all of you, our listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters and sponsors, and everyone else who makes our podcast possible. Thank you for listening to Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, and always remember to gill and chill! Hey, Ethan, you know that Friday the 13th is coming up this week? Oh, shucks. Oh, shucks what? Well, I was planning to go on the nature trail to hell this Friday. And what, you're scared? No, I'm not scared. I just feel like it'll be hard to find parking is all. That was Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 119-inch. And now, a poem by Weird Al Yankovic as adapted by Dave and Ethan. What on earth would make a man decide to do that kind of thing? Winding up 21,140 pounds of string. What was he trying to prove? Who was he trying to impress? Why did he build it? How did he do it? It's anybody's guess. Where did he get the twine? What was going through his mind? Did it just seem like a good idea at the time?
it's pretty stinking majestic is what I think this, yeah. <laughs>